Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I am a coach and a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of two books, The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl, Seven Steps to Confidence. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. And I'm so excited for this guest today. I'm talking to Harry Rose, who is a coach. She's the author of the brilliant book, You Are Enough. She's a speaker. And she helps people basically to lose their diet mentality and and live lives of more freedom, body confidence and happiness. And so we get into what exactly diet culture is and why it's such a problem for us. Harry shares the most powerful tools that she knows for being more comfortable and confident in our bodies. We talk about why getting curious is the antidote to anxiety. And trust me, guys, you want to try this. And she shares some really amazing ways that we can remember that we are enough. So if you want to hear about the latest podcasts from me, and if you want to get a free anxiety toolkit, then you can head over to my website, karmau.com forward slash free and enter your details there. And I'll send you loads of freebies. So let's get into the interview with Harry Rose. This episode is sponsored by Chloris CBD oil. Everyone in the anxiety world is talking about CBD oil, but if you don't know what it is, CBD is a non-psychoactive compound found in cannabis, and it's used as a food supplement with promising evidence that it actually helps to calm anxiety. One study found that it reduced anxiety during public speaking, and the link to this is in the show notes, and it's also believed that CBD oil could help manage pain such as period pain, by reducing inflammation. I've been taking Chloris CBD for the past few months to help with period pain and PMS, and I think it really helps. I love that Chloris take great care to source the best quality CBD, only using the finest organically derived natural ingredients, and they rigorously test their products for contaminants, and most CBD brands don't do this. CBD isn't a miracle cure for anxiety, but it could be really useful as a food supplement to include in your routine, and I love using it. Get 10% off Chloris CBD oil when you enter the code KARMAYOU at chloriscbd.com. That's K-L-O-R-I-S-C-B-D.com. Welcome, Harry. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I can't wait to hear what you have to say on this topic. Can you tell us what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today? 
Yes, so, yep, I'm Harry Rose and I am officially kind of unapologetic body acceptance coach. Um, I'm actually a certified health coach, but I specialise in self-compassion, helping people make food, make peace with food and um, really kind of make peace with their bodies as well. Um, how I came to be here, well, it's, it's so hard when you have these questions, like, oh, where shall I start, really? But I, I think... Um, I trained to be a massage therapist about five years ago and that was really the start of understanding anatomy and physiology and just having a different relationship with my body. I always had a terrible relationship with food and my body and I'm sure we'll go go into that but it was I was sort of mid mid twenties and for the first time I started to look at my body and the body in kind of it its function and it's an it, it's the biology of it and I was like oh my god like biology is incredible anatomy is so interesting and so that was probably the first um the first step in helping me change my relationship with my body and then I trained to be a health coach and uh at first it was just helping people make kind of healthy choices in inverted commas healthy choices and wellness and I was in kind of in this wellness world um but then body positivity at the time was quite, a, it was still quite niche. Um, and I realised that actually wellness can also be a form of dieting and um, and really intuitive eating and health at every size and all of these things are actually the real way to accept your, your body. And so I, that was about, yeah, five years ago. And I've, I now coach people on how to find what makes them feel well as, a, as an individual unique person. And um, yeah, without any diets or rules or restriction. And um, yeah, and I just wrote a book uh, called You Are Enough. And that is out now. And so yeah, I guess I can call myself a coach and a writer now, which is very exciting. Yeah, amazing. And your book is wonderful. It's really funny, really smart, really comforting and informative. And I just loved it. And Thank you so much. I can just see people being able to dip in and out of this mm. and just get bits of inspiration and the illustrations are amazing. So yeah, I think you've done such a beautiful job. Thank you. That's what I wanted is to be a springboard um, for all of the things, you know, I, I just threw in a few things then about, you know, health at every size and intuitive eating. And, and my book is hopefully a springboard, so a little bit of information about that. And then you can go off and find out that, that can be like the first breadcrumb on your, you know, journey to exploring more about that that topic. So I think, I, yeah, I think it's super accessible. And um, yeah, people seem to like it. So I'm very happy. In the beginning of the book, one of the first things that you introduce is diet culture. Mm. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, diet culture is essentially the umbrella term for every message that we get fed in society that says that you have to look a certain way to be acceptable or worthy or attractive and that is essentially a thin body and it also uh, creates a hierarchy of bodies with um, kind of which is linked to white privilege really so like white thin uh, bodies are placed at the top and and people who are in larger bodies are placed towards the the bottom and it's steeped in fat phobia we have this fear of fat and fat is very loaded with um, negative connotations such as laziness and slovenliness and um, and Diet culture also says that um, 
it's basically it's it's not just about dieting although that is also linked to every diet product that's that we're we're sold uh, is kind of like the route to happiness um but it's also in our conversations it's like why we're also obsessed about uh, talking about bodies and food and it's yeah so it's in every hollywood movie magazine that you open um advert that you see on the tube um it's also in our schools and workplaces and it's really it's insidious because it really is in every aspect of society this obsession with how we look and that there is one correct way to um to being beautiful yeah <laughs> that's, yeah one of the things from reading your book i really took away was how insidious it is how mm. it is everywhere how it's almost like we don't notice it because it's like the water that we're swimming in. It's so normalised. See, see it. it's, it's, exactly. It's so... It's it's really in every aspect of our lives um, that you're right, it's completely normalised. Um, and sadly, it's why children as young as eight are now dieting or worrying about their bodies because it's it's everywhere yeah it's really everywhere this idea that if you don't look a certain way then you must well firstly be trying to change yourself um and that you that if we somehow obtain this thin ideal or this beauty standard then that is the kind of nirvana that's the route to all happiness and it's not only will you have the perfect body but you'll then also get the perfect job and the perfect relationship and um, all of these other things will magically happen to you if you manage to get the body that we are sold essentially I'm so glad that this is being talked about more because it seems like because topics like this are being talked about more we're starting to dismantle Mm. this kind of oppression and the structures that have kept us yeah miserable for so long and so so good to be talking about yeah you're right it's definitely being talked about more and um for example when i was really really the most messed up about my body you know i started dieting really young from the age of like 13 um went on my first diet went to a weight watchers meeting and i remember that meeting feeling kind of ashamed of having to be there but then i've been so aware of not liking my body that i was i also remember being like wow this is how i'm going to be happy or you know then the boys will fancy me you know all that you know 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, it really was sold as you feel miserable, but if you just do X, Y, and Z, then you'll be happy and all your problems will go away. And then through my, you know, and the first diet always works because it shocks your system, but then you're starting to mess up with your internal metabolism and not only your physical health, but also your mental health gets so messed up around food and good and bad foods. And I was very good at following the rules and and so I did lose a lot of weight. But then what happens with diets is as soon as you go back to eating normally, then often your weight goes up again because you're not restricting and we have these natural weight set points and things. And by the time I was in my twenty early 20s, by the time I went to university, I had what I now know as an undiagnosed eating disorder. Um, binging and purging and just have binge, essentially binge eating disorder. And... Um, but because I never got very thin, I would never have said I have an eating disorder. Um, but I was so messed up in the head. And I I really um, 
yeah and the thing body positivity well instagram wasn't even invented <laughs> like it wasn't a thing mm. you know it wasn't well yeah no it wasn't a thing and uh whereas now i mean we could talk a little bit more about what body positivity has become but yeah it is being talked about more and yet i i sometimes feel hopeful about that you know that you know you see like plus size models in magazines and people are more aware of it and yet the Kardashians exist, yes. you know? And I sometimes like put my head above the parapet or I like fall down an Instagram, you know, rabbit hole of, of I don't know, following like, I come across an account that I'm so like, it's like an alien world again. And I'm like, Pete, why has this person got so many followers when they are clearly like filtering their images there? They look like an alien to me. They look so kind of, uh, like their proportions look strange their face looks strange and it's because we have uh, there's there's still this there's still a lot of work to be done um you know i mean yeah i mean kim kardashian just launched like a shapewear range and mm. it just like there's uh, i think it is getting better but there's also just um i think it's you can curate your world to, to that you don't have to participate in it mm. but mm. there is still a lot of work to be done yeah, as soon as I said that, I realised, you know, for me and my world and my kind of group of friends who, you know, a few of my friends have had discussions about this and said, we're not going to comment on each other's weight. We're not going to talk about diets. We're not going to talk about how, you know, many calories of food's got in. That's just banned from our conversations because oh, it's yeah. triggering for people. And yeah. so we've had those conversations. And obviously, for me and my little bubble, I'm like, oh, you know, people are talking about this. But actually, like the majority of people yeah. aren't. And, and that's the yet. thing, you know, when I used to work in offices, offices are an absolute breeding ground for diet chat. You know, they are really like, oh, you know, I'm on this sort of diet. Oh, what are you eating? Oh, I couldn't eat that. Oh, you're so lucky to be able to eat that. You yeah. know, like food chat and body chat is really, really prevalent. And uh, there's been times in my life looking back where me and my friends like, only talk we would talk about diets and celebrity diets and things that were just that would be our sort of number one topic of conversation and I think that it's it's good to remember that it's so amazing that you've created that bubble with your friends and I also you know have got this like safe haven and I encourage all of these list your listeners to um to also curate a bubble of like safety out of, of that but it's good to remember that um yeah, not everybody is so lucky to live in this world because it is, um, yeah, like we say, it's it's so normalised. Mm. Totally, totally. And what do you think is the impact of this? What is the impact of people living in this world where mm. there is diet culture, where there's this pressure? Yeah, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Sadly, eating disorders are on the rise. And whilst not everybody who goes on a diet will get an eating disorder... Um, I think it's fair to say that everyone who has an eating disorder started with a diet. And the we know that children younger than ever are worrying about their weight, going on diets. Um, and that just makes me so sad. It honestly makes me so sad. And then just this obsession with um, the aesthetic, which is what diet culture creates, is this, it makes it seem like what you look like is the most important thing about you, and it's actually the least important thing about you. The least interesting thing about you is what you look like, you know? Um, and um, it's, do we just have like an epidemic of like low self-esteem or, uh, and um, 
thinking that it's your fault as well as part of diet culture is that it's your fault that you're not able to achieve this dream body when it's not it's it's diets don't work you know they've if there was one magic diet that worked, we would all be thin because we live in a very fat phobic society where if you have, if you do live, you know, navigate the world in a bigger body, it's a really, really difficult, hard place. And so if there was a magic pill, we'd all take it because it's much easier to look like a Love Island contestant than than to live in a bigger body. But so they don't work. We know now there's a growing body of evidence that says that um, 90% of diets fail with dieters putting the weight back on plus more within five years. Um, so it's not your fault. It's not your fault, but that's what diet culture says. Um, and so we just have, a particularly women are just seeing themselves as not measuring up, as not being enough, as not being worthy. And um, it's having... You know, imagine the change in the world if everybody stopped caring about what they look like. Imagine all, imagine that collective energy of the things that we could do if we stopped fretting about food and what we look like. You know, um, just on an individual level, you know, anybody who's fixating about it, it takes up so much brain space to think about food in your body all the time. It, it just imagine what that would could feel like, and I know that it's possible it might be for anyone listening who thinks like god i can't imagine what that feels like it is possible to not be obsessed by food and not be obsessed by your body and then you have all this free time to think about what would i actually like to do with my life what would i actually maybe i'd like to learn a language or you know go and take a trip or yeah it, we just have an epidemic of not good enough essentially yes yes and I think it's so so connected to mental health things and you know from with people with anxiety mm. that I speak to not feeling good enough is the root cause very very often of why people experience anxiety whether they don't yeah. feel good enough about their bodies or about themselves in general um yeah and I know that from from I almost didn't go traveling because I thought that I I my body wasn't worthy. Like I thought only thin girls go travelling. And I wasn't I don't even I wasn't even in a particularly big body, you know? And I don't talk about numbers because it could be triggering for people, but like I I wasn't I you know, I could always go and buy clothes in like a normal shop. You know what I mean? That I'm not even you know and yet I was so messed up in the head that I almost didn't do this like trip of a lifetime where I'd saved for so long because I was so worried about how insecure I was about my body and that's that's what diets do they steal your life they steal memories they steal you know that I think it's easy to be like oh it's just a diet but actually if you are really trapped in a cycle of diet culture of of thinking like oh, if, I, if only you're completely putting off your life for a, a mythical future point that might never come you know if I'd said to myself oh I'm only allowed to go traveling if I lose two stone I might never have got that and then I might never have had all of those amazing memories of that like trip of a lifetime so yeah it can have real massive cons you know consequences being trapped in this and it is it's mental I mean we talk about physical health but it's so much to do with mental health too mm, definitely so we're we're wasting a lot of our energy. We're we're waiting for this, mm. you know, to be happier. Waiting to lose weight to allow ourselves to do or feel, and it's you know we're wasting so much time mm. and so much energy doing mm. that. Um, can you explain a bit about some of the terms that you talk about in the book? Um, body positivity, body neutrality, 
what's the differences, body acceptance? Yeah. How would you define these things? Yeah. So um, body positivity, I actually don't really use very much these days. I use it because people know what it is quite easily. But body positivity is actually a political movement started by um, women of colour, because they wanted to create a safe space on the internet where they could celebrate their bodies, which are very marginalised in society. So it started by fat black women. um, And it was originally like a very niche um, concept. And it's been co-opted by diet culture. Um, Not just by diet culture, but it's been been quite co-opted. Everybody is allowed to love their bodies everybody there's space for everybody to love their bodies but out of respect for the original origins body positivity to me is not um it should be for it should be a space for people in marginalized bodies to to have a voice um and i think not a lot of people know that so on instagram you might see um like thin white women thin you know not they are thin compared to lots of people you know but you know celebrating their bodies and that's wonderful everyone should feel confident in their bodies but it is it is divisive to hashtag that body positivity when it it was originally a space for um people like um in marginalized bodies because there's many spaces where um what's called straight size which is um like a uh, bodies that can shop in normal shops and can go on an airplane without worried about you know the size or how to navigate in the world there's many spaces where your voice is accepted and your body is also represented in lots of places so your body is seen as acceptable as a general rule in society that's not to say that you aren't allowed to feel confident in your body but for other people who live in marginalized bodies there isn't a lot of space for their voice and so by using body positivity it's crowding out that space for for other people who don't have as much space to speak so that's the kind of origins of body positivity and the political is i'm also part of anti-diet riot club and the co-creative anti-diet riot club and that political aspect of bodies is really important to the our work and so i would just kind of caution people around using body positivity um or go and do some research about it and make up your own mind mm. about it. You know, if you're thinking like, wow, that sounds a bit like, I'm not sure about that, Harry. Go and do some research about it and just make up your own mind and just become aware that there is a political aspect to bodies. Yeah. Um, so that's body positivity. Um, and... So what words yes. do you prefer? What do you... So it's it sometimes, I mean, like I said, like I just, I'm cautious about using it. It's not like I never use it. I'm pretty sure I already used it earlier in our conversation because it, it's people understand the concept of body yeah. positivity. Um, I tend to use body acceptance, body confidence, um, and body acceptance is uh, understanding that to be human is to be um, imperfect and that's okay and regardless of what you look like you are allowed to um, give yourself love and you are allowed to experience all of life's juicy goodness um, regardless of what you look like um, and coming to a place of acceptance is is the is the like I say like the nirvana the point of freedom where where you realize that this body that you are navigating the world in is 
yours and regardless of what it looks like it's your home mm. um but that can feel like a really far off place for lots of people um self-love is kind of banded about a lot on pinterest and and instagram and if you spent a lot of years in loathing self-loathing the idea of self-love is re- is it's alien it's like a different planet so we talk about body neutrality often as kind of that's the space of thinking i'm okay and and that might be as far as anyone gets and it's kind of like waving the flag i talk about like you know this is body neutrality is about pulling up a chair and being like all right body what's up you know, and just being a bit more objective, t- realizing you might have all of these criticisms, but being able to let them go and just become to a slightly softer place of like, I feel like I I can maybe create like a peace treaty with my body and just thinking like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a massive deal. And that's that's if that's just the place that you want to come to, your resting place, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's cool. Um, and so body neutrality is the kind of first goal for lots of people. And then you from there, you can build up to a bit more of a place of body acceptance. Thank you for, for clarifying those differences. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree on... We talk, we all, you know, self-love gets talked about a lot and, mm. oh, it's just so simple. Just just love yourself. That's all you have to do. Mm. And, yeah, when you're in a state of really, yeah, self-loathing or deep depression or whatever it is, it can seem like that's impossible. So what's, like, the first step towards that? Yeah. Um, this episode is made possible by Dorset Cereals. Dorset is a place where things go at a slightly slower pace. Dorset Cereals believe that pleasure comes from the simple things in life and that moments need to be savoured, especially since life is so busy. And I totally agree. This all begins at breakfast time. So instead of rushing through breakfast or skipping it altogether, why not slow down and enjoy every moment? Enjoy a breakfast on the slow and you'll be taking the first steps to a better day. All their delicious mueslis are vegan and high fibre and the ultimate muesli range doesn't contain any added sugar. I personally love their luscious berry and cherry muesli, well worth getting up a bit earlier to have time to savour. So now there are even more reasons to enjoy a calm moment at breakfast with Dorset Cereals. Take a look at dorsetcereals.co.uk to explore the range and discover how to be a little more Dorset. I wanted to ask you about self-compassion because I know a lot of what you talk about is based around that. Um... You know, how does that apply to the work that you do and yeah. um, body, body yeah. acceptance? It's huge. Yeah, I, I, um, more and more my of my work and my coaching is around self-compassion. Um, so self-compassion, if you, it has three kind of like pillars. Um, one is self-kindness, the second is um, shared humanity, and the third is uh, mindfulness. And um, this is uh, this practice of self-compassion. The research is done by um, Kristin Neff, if anyone wants to look that up. And it's learning to get rid of the inner critic, realise that... Um, everybody suffers everybody life it, this the shared humanity is that you're not the only one I think diets make you feel like oh I'm the only one who can't do this everybody else can do this my my you know 
feed is full of before and after pictures, so I must be the only one. But actually, it's realizing like everybody has insecurities, everybody has failings, everyone has flaws. To be human is to be imperfect, and and that can really create like a softening, and that helps you to be kinder to yourself. And uh, the mindfulness aspect is learning to catch the thoughts that you're telling yourself and to look at them um, non-judgmentally. Um, and it's basically the cornerstone of my work <laughs> really is learning to be kinder to yourself um, because you can't hate yourself into love despite what diet culture tells you re- hate can never come from love only love can come from love you know mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah self-compassion is essentially learning to be kinder to yourself Just, what would your best friend say to you you know, if it's hard to be like, oh, God, how self-kindness, what, how do I do that? You know, what would your best friend say to you in this moment? That's kind of, that can be the gateway in. And realising that you're not on your own, that lots of people have these feelings, that can also be so important. And so, yeah, I love self-compassion as a, and it's a practice. I think mm-hmm. it's important. So like mindfulness, you know, um, all of these things are practices. It's not just a one-time thing. I'm going to wake up and suddenly be like, oh, I feel, you know, I'm never going to have a negative thought about myself all the time. But no, it's a it's a practice. It's so important. And we're not taught this. And mm. even, you know, myself, you know, practicing self-compassion for quite a while, I still need that reminder mm. every now and again, just don't beat yourself up about this. And I find myself, yeah, with my clients saying this again and again, and constantly reminding people and for a lot of people it's the first time they've heard that Mm. that it's actually okay to speak to yourself as you would a friend yeah like it really can be quite a new idea for lots of us because I agree I think that there's an idea that um your inner critic is motivational Mm. um and it's like well what would happen no I can't I can't be kind to myself because how would I get anything done you know um and actually what I you know what I know for sure within my work is that it's much easier to make kind decisions about how you want to eat how you want to move how you want to sleep how you want to live if you're coming from a place of kindness rather mm-hmm. than a, from a place of should I should be doing this you know which is always as we know like our inner critic yes totally totally so whoever needs to to hear this message today I hope you can really receive mm. this one one thing I really liked in your book was what you wrote about curiosity mm-hmm. and I wondered can you read us a little <laughs> sure. section because yeah, I think sure. you have such a lovely way of talking about it Chloe is handing me the book <laughs> <laughs> okay so curiosity curiouser and curiouser said Alice after she'd eaten the cake mark eat me like any food lover would And while Alice started to grow into a giant, she managed not to blame herself or freak out, but simply invoke the power of curiosity. Curiosity is awesome. It's something that's inherent in all of us. We all know what it feels like to be inquisitive as children. Many parents have been driven mad with, but why? This gets knocked out of us as adults, but it's going to become your new superpower in the fight against negative thoughts and self-judgment. Why? See, you're getting it already. Because curiosity lets you to become a detective brackets detective hat not essential but don't let me get in the way of a good accessory to learn about yourself by getting into the habit of taking small moments to reflect it creates space between you and the behavior or thoughts this means you can take a step back and become an observer to the situation 
I believe any situation you'll come across in this journey of self-discovery and self-compassion can be used as an opportunity for discovery and growth. Add to this a tool add to this new tool a dollop of kindness like a big one like a child let loose with a chocolate sauce type deal <laughs> because we all need more kindness always then we're in the mix for some magic this is where we have to ask ourselves some questions to find out what's been happening and it goes on amazing like some questions amazing. curiosity Yay. questions so yeah thank you so much oh that's so yeah refreshing and such a good just mindset shift <laughs> i think curiosity can be just the antidote oh, antidote to so many things it's you cannot possibly hold judgment and curiosity in the same breath or thought you know it really is the the magical tool for softening you know and t- i often say in my coaching like tell the bitch to leave the room like in terms of like getting rid of your inner critic because that is part of you so you can't you can't be like Oh, F off you know what I mean mm. I can't because that's just a part of you and actually it's trying to protect you in some strange way mm. you know by telling mm-hmm. you like you should go to the gym that was, you're actually saying like you're worried about your health or you want to move more you know it's just coming out sideways and so we just have to yeah tell the bitch to leave the room gently but you know firmly and then curiosity be like hey why do I feel like this what's been happening what what caused me to eat the packet of hobnobs with no breath between you know like oh why why do it why did that happen how what why you know mm. yeah it's a really magical tool yeah curiosity and kindness i bang on about all the time <laughs> beautiful beautiful how can we remember that we are enough mm. yeah it's such a good question i was it was a good I, I posed it on instagram i was like well you guys you know what rituals do you, you know or what reminders or do you have to use so, you know you are enough some people put like post-its or like a a reminder on their phone um but mainly like for me personally how do I personally remind, remember that I am enough it's that I take a lot of solace in thinking that it's not just me like it just you know like it's not just me who has these you know when I even as far down along the journey that I am I sometimes have like body confidence wobbles you know about um, it's been summer, you know, like, oh, God, I've got to the beach with new people, you know, and there's this old habit, old thought pattern from being a teenager and being so paralysed. There's some, you know, this this gremlin sometimes rises its head, you know, mm. and it's just like, well, most people going to the beach in the summer have some sort of, like, wobble, you know, it's not just me. Most people are so worried about their own bodies that they're not going to be worried looking at mine, you know, and um, so remembering that everybody has some sort of feeling of insecurity or... It's not just you. You're not a freak or a weirdo or how, you know, that we have this collective experience being human where we make mistakes and we are flawed and and that's okay. It's just part of being human. Like to me, that is really, really helpful. To me, that's really, really helpful. Um, And just remembering also that diet culture is profiting off your insecurities and there's actually nothing wrong with your body really really there's no such thing as the perfect body you know the body that you have is absolutely the one that you can create the life that you want to in you know and that feeling of enough is um yeah it's giving yourself a break Mm. (laughs) giving Mm. yourself a break but sometimes we need visual reminders if you want to write in lipstick you know like you are enough you know on the mirror so you can see it every day sometimes it's good to have a visual reminder not just a kind of mental cue of like oh okay it's okay it's okay everyone make mistakes or you know 
yeah. all right if you need like a proper like an alarm to say you know you are enough yeah. So that's a challenge for everyone listening mm. to then get their lippy, write it on the <laughs> yeah. mirror, take a picture yeah. and tag us on Instagram. I got one client who, write, yeah. who does a um, one of the challenges that I set for my clients is to pay yourself a compliment every day. And she sets an alarm where she has to, where she then writes a compliment for herself. Mm, so if it's, yeah, set an alarm if you need to. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And yeah, I just think this book is just full of just lovely reminders and inspiring pep talks and yeah, lots of common sense and funny little stories and things that is just a good reminder to all of us that we are enough. Mm. Definitely. Um, What else? I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something about um, fillers and Botox Mm. in the book. And I have to say, I've felt some pressure to... Yeah, to have like fillers and Botox, actually. And I kind of wanted to talk about it in case other people, because this is not to judge anyone who has had that done. And, you know, if you feel like you want to do that, that's totally okay. The people that I'm thinking about are the ones that feel pressured, who don't want to do it, feel like they have to. Or, you know, it's a lot of money. It's a medical procedure. If people are doing that and it's not really the right thing for them, Mm. then that's... Yeah, it's really interesting. And actually the... The cosmetic industry is, we're like we were talking about how I know things are getting better, and you know we have seeing you know like plus size models and more of this, you know. But there's the massive rise of uh, cosmetic procedures like fillers, and particularly like if you think about how many young girls are having their lips done mm. now, that's like at the, and that's the thing about body. It's interesting about bodies at the moment. We the Kardashians have completely changed what is seen to be like the beauty ideal. You know, it's like this massive bum, you know tiny waist and these big lips big brows you know they've completely changed and that's what's in fashion at the moment um but the goalpost moves all the time so when i was growing up heroin chic which i mean think about that it's such an awful heroin chic it was so normalized yeah. again this term oh heroin chic think about what that actually means it's so <laughs> awful yeah. but that was that what was seen to be the beauty ideal in the 90s very very thin gaunt thin you know bones you know no bum you know what I mean like it's and so that's the problem I think with these cosmetics procedures is that so Kylie Jenner I talk about it in the book she had fillers when she was like 17 and as soon as she announced on Instagram or admitted that she'd had fillers the the rates of inquiries for people having these procedures done went through the roof it's quite it's it's really quite terrifying the the influence that that family have on pop culture or society and but then years later uh, she had them taken out you know so I think the only thing is no judgment if you want to have these things done but it's just being aware that fashion changes and um and you're saying you're right it's like a bit of an invasive thing and I love faces faces are so amazing the variety of faces is one of like life's most beautiful things is how you know and no one dislikes their eyes <laughs> I've yet to meet a person who dislikes their eyes and so um yet we're messing with the kind of our, our inherent natural beauty um but that's not to say that um yeah that's not to judge anyone who's done them but just to be aware of the kind of societal why I would just question why you're having it done I guess why you're having it done and what the long lasting 
effects might be of that psychologically as well as physically um but then it, it just feeds into you know another question about patriarchy and aging and all those kind of things it's quite interesting i think because uh fillers and botox used to be something that like women in their 40s did in secret you know just a, a nip and a mm. nip here and there and it's again it's something that's become quite normalized and it's it's look at um you know programs like anyway as essex or love island kind of um geordie shaw you know it's girls are really young having these like botox procedures and it's like God, you're in, you're so young, and there's nothing wrong with you. Why are you having these procedures done? Um, and it's because women are never, not allowed to age, essentially. Mm. You know, originally, and so we can get into a conversation about you know patriarchy and the pressures that we ha- that we have on women. Although I'm sure you agree, men, you know, men are having more and more pressure put on themselves. Mm. It's mm. men are not immune to. Um, feeling like they need to have there's an ideal male body you know now yeah yeah but um yeah it's an interesting one about cosmetic surgery Mm. but um yes yes I feel quite I feel quite um I just think it's so sad that so many young beautiful girls feel the need to fill their lips with you Mm. know when the yeah and it's proven that there's a like you can get facial dysmorphia yeah. Um, th- through things like through getting the the normalization of things like Snapchat filters, we're actually it's changing our our psyches to the point where we're not able to recognize what a normal face looks like, and mm. so that's the really kind of dark side of these things. You know, it, it's what might start off as just like oh, it just makes me feel nice, but are you a is it is it going to be a slippery soap where you really really dislike what you origin you know what you like what your natural kind of what you're born with essentially mm. yeah it's a interesting difficult topic yeah yeah and i've kind of brought that in as kind of a, a side a side topic but uh, yeah i want people to to feel that if they do feel that pressure that mm. they don't need to to do yeah. that yeah it's really okay just asking, totally and it's just asking like why do you feel this way you know and you don't have to change your face just like you don't have to achieve a certain weight to be happy and it's the same with cosmetics procedures as with diets you know they sell you the idea that oh you'll feel beautiful if you do this but like diets you know the first one you might feel that original lift but then we've seen it through celebrity culture you know you can it's so easy to lose perspective and it can be a slippery slope, not for everyone, but it can be a slippery slope when actually what we need to look at is our minds, really. You know, it's changing our thoughts. You don't need to change your face or your body in order to be free of these negative thoughts that tell you you are not enough. Yeah, faces are just as as bodies, but... You know, I love a lipstick. You know, I absolutely love lipstick. I love makeup. There's nothing wrong with a kind of... um wanting to do it you know to to adorn yourself and make yourself feel beautiful in these ways so I don't want anyone thinking like I'm not anti makeup I'm not saying like I'm not talking about the patriarchy because I think we should all be you know look plain Janes and you know like never wear a bit of mascara again if that makes you feel good but I think we need to be looking at the underlying feelings of how if you can't go out without wearing any makeup you know that maybe you need to examine like your thoughts you know about mm. yourself you know mm-hmm. that's when there's a line isn't there you know I'm sure you find that with you know your work 
Yes, totally. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for that reminder that it is, it is all about our thoughts because the external things, the material things, we think it's so important. Our culture makes it seem like if we buy this or look like this, then we'll be happy. But actually, it's your relationship with yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. With all of this. And there's no relationship more important than the one that you have with your with yourself. So it's mm. so important to look at exactly the internal what's really happening what dialogue what stories are you telling yourself you know if you're telling yourself i'm really disgusting i couldn't possibly go to the supermarket with no without a full face of makeup you know maybe you need to be that's the thought that needs to be worked on rather than um yeah spending hours trying to like make yourself up to some standard that you've put on yourself Mm, so so true so so good thank you so much for sharing (laughs) all that you shared um where can people find out more about you and what you're about Mm, so instagram is my jam you can find me there harry rose harry is h-a-r-r-i um and yeah that come and say hi to me there i'm also harryrose.com and the book you are enough is out now everywhere really if you type harry rose you are enough it will pop up so yeah come and say hi amazing thanks so much for talking to us thanks chloe it's been great thank you thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed this episode i really did i've taken so much from it please come on over to instagram let me know what you thought of this episode i'd love to hear what are you taking away from it you can find me at chloe brotheridge and i'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast in itunes leave a rating leave me a review and share this podcast with anyone that you think really needs to hear this empowering message today So I'm just sending you loads of love wherever you are. I'm wishing you a brilliant week. Hope you'll listen again soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.